0: to bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Good day, magnificent human being. I hope that wherever you are in the world, that you are having an amazing day. I'm blasting all of my love, my appreciation, my gratitude, my energy to you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. We have the godfather of vibrational technologies, Don Estes. This is a really an amazing episode. Uh, Don has been in the, um, let's say, vibrational healing game, electromagnetism, um, all of those things you hear about PEMF, um, light therapy, sound therapy, everything like that. Don is the man. Um, I highly recommend checking this one out on YouTube because he does go through some slides. Um, You should see this image that he has behind him, his opening image. It's like super mind-blowing. So In this episode, um, I broke it up into two parts. We've got Um, We talk about expanding on the electromagnetic spectrum. Um, We are at the vibration of choice, the triunity of reality, an expanding model of the human nervous system, understanding runner's high, um, Dawn's theory of sensory resonance, parasympathetic versus sympathetic nervous system, uh, realizing there is a pharmacy inside your head, exploring absolute reality the actual versus potential universe, the wave equation. So you get an idea that this is a super intense episode, and I know you're going to enjoy it. Um, If you want to support the episode, the best thing that you can do is an act of kindness today. Um, Put this spirituality expanded consciousness. Higher consciousness is an act of kindness. A real high consciousness is three acts of kindness a day and not telling anybody. So please, if you like the episode, do an act of kindness, get somebody's name that counts. Listen, pick up a piece of trash, just be a good human being. That really is grounding out higher intelligence, um, benevolent thing. You want to save the world, you want world peace, start by doing an act of kindness each and every day. Um, The other thing that you can do is you can leave a review on iTunes pretty please take that action because it inspires other people who are browsing podcasts to choose this one if you write an epic review. So please take a moment to leave a review. Thank you to everybody who's done that so far. I'm very, very grateful for those of you who have done it. You can also go to patreon.com. And you can toss a buck in the bucket if you like. Support the show for as little as a dollar a month. Um, That would be really helpful and really fantastic if only a fraction of the audience uh, you like the podcast, you want to support. That would be really helpful. Thank you so much to my patrons, Ross and Cheryl, Angela, Francis, everybody out there who has supported me um, for months. You know, a few of you, you've been supporting me since the beginning. So thank you, thank you, thank you. My friend Sean, um, I'm packing up and ready to go to Burning Man. So while you're listening to this, I will be at the burn as long as uh, my mom and my sister or my friend or somebody gets, gets these uploaded while I'm, I'm dancing around. I'm making friends. Um, I have a cool a few cool offerings I'm going to be doing for people um, like water blessings that David taught me and just, uh, you know, kind of like life coaching and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to be doing a workshop. So uh, guided meditation. I'll be doing the heart hypnosis again. I've been doing that for a few years. So I'm super excited. Um, I haven't really taken a break since last Burning Man. So I'm a little bit excited to just dance and have fun and be around amazing people and and also but help and explore and be in that environment of people who really want to change the world. So I'm packing up for that. Um, so I'll see you soon. But these should be coming out. So uh, I'll be I'll be sending every single listener lots of love from the center of Burning Man, um, shooting you as many money as much good vibes as I possibly can. Um, please sign up for the email list and if you go forward slash Lucid Dreaming, you'll get a free Lucid Dreaming ebook a guide and guided meditation um shout out to my podcast sponsor david Lombear Senapass, native american elder um, he needs support for doing his incredible work to get some of these technologies out there and what he requires is peaceful community and it to be supported by the community so we need to help um if you know any angel investors, anybody who wants to chip in, if you know, uh, we need administrative assistant, web people, um, video, we need we need everything. We need a lot of help because he can, the more help we have, the faster these technologies can get out, and we want them out. Trust me, they're they're amazing. We want to put another balloon into space in September. So we need a little support doing that. So if you resonate with his message and you resonate with the podcast, um, please support him. You can go to LoneBearsArts.com. you can go to facebook.com forward slash distant. Ancient Echoes, Um, send us a note, uh, reach out to me. Um, If you want us to come for speaking, you know, myself, David, or even Clifford Mahoudi, we're going to be doing a lot more speaking um, engagements. So if you want us to come to the UK, Australia, uh, Canada, US, um, just put a group together and we'll see about coming out your way. Yeah. And for those of you guys who want some coaching, I've kind of forgot to talk about that a few times. Um, Basically, I'll teach you everything that I've learned the best of peak performance, personal development, psychology, human optimization um, in, in a tailored strategic fashion. So we do 90 minute breakthrough sessions or we can do monthly mentorship as well. And I'm also doing the guided heart journey hypnosis, which is a very powerful, the most powerful and effective thing I've ever seen for tuning into your life's purpose. And it's not like, oh, this is the job. It's like, oh, now I know the direction a very clear direction that comes from your heart. So that's, that's it. Um, I'm going to just get into this episode because it's awesome. It's in two parts. And so just before we dive in, let's come to a state of peace and coherence through our own consciousness. So wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing and just take in a deep breath in through your nose. Setting the intention just to come to peace and coherence just for a few moments. And just let that breath out slowly with all the cares, all the worries, all the tasks. All the limitations just let that go now taking another deep breath in through your nose and just connecting to your divine nature connecting to the idea that you are a part of the universe that you matter and that you are enough and just let that breath out slowly with all the cares all the worries and all the stresses and all the self limitations and self-criticisms taking one more deep breath in through your nose Hold that breath and just make the firm commitment to be as kind to yourself today as possible. Because when you fill your cup and you are kind, then you have the capacity to be kind to others. So just make that commitment to be as kind to yourself as possible today and all days to come. And I'm sending you all of my love, appreciation, support, gratitude, well wishes, encouragement, um, letting you know that you are connected, that you are not alone, that you are a divine, magnificent, immortal, multidimensional, epic being. So there we go. Let's get into part one with the outstanding Don Estes. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host Matt Belair. Today's guest currently serves as CEO and Director of InnerSense Inc. and in Cyometrix Science. He is a certified medical technology. Uh, technologist laboratory director and neuroscientist he has lectured worldwide on sensory science and vibrational medicine appearing on cnn nbc abc discovery and others his work has been featured in wired computer design and international media his book harmonic law the science of vibration is one of the most complete compendiums of scientific and philosophical knowledge assembled He is the inventor of Vibrasound Sensory Resonance, and his theories include proprietary knowledge and patents in the fields of light, color, sound, music, and algorithmic automata. He has also designed, built, and operated three award-winning facilities, Innerspace, Mindwave, and the AHA Spa. Since 2001, his company, Innersense, has partnered with Sciometrics in Glastonbury, England. Together, they have pioneered a new science of universal automata, which defines the physical and mental mechanisms behind the manifestation of intention. They have also designed and constructed a world-class supercomputer that can render a model of any reality in a formal mathematical language. Their work is patent pending. Welcome to the show, Don Estes. Blessings.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Oh man, it's, it's such a privilege to have you. I remember when you, you reached out and I looked at your work and I read your bio and normally I try to shorten it a bit and I was like, oh my goodness, like you've done so much and uh, you've been in the, in the game of vibration, frequency, sound, light therapy, basically everything that kind of is starting to hit the mainstream right now. You're one of those pioneers um, and you have that amazing chart behind you. You're kind of sharing a little bit. Um, with me before when we when we talked on the podcast, maybe you can give people a little bit about your background, who you are and and how you got to where you are today because you've been in, you've been here for a long time, so it 's a real treat to talk to you
1: sure yeah so before I start, let me just say that I love your voice uh, has such really great energy to it we're sort of uh, voice experts here. We have pretty much decided that and determined that it's easier to get um, who or discover who a person is and what they really want from their voice rather than from their brain or their heart and that sort of thing. So after doing this for years, I've become sort of an expert on voices. So I can listen to a person's voice and tell pretty quickly who they are and pretty much everything about them. So I just wanted to acknowledge that that uh, your energy is like really clean and really good.
0: Oh wow! And, thank you. Uh,
1: good vibration from your voice. So yeah, as you said. Um, I've been around for a long time. We incorporated in in uh, 1984. Before that, we had done a lot of work all the way back to when I was in uh, college. The college that I went to was one of uh, a few schools in the world that at the time where, where the psychology department was based on humanistic and uh, gestalt kind of technologies um, or philosophies instead of uh, clinical psychology. So I got a good uh, education on human machine interfacing and that sort of thing. It was also a school where we uh, were actually making psychedelics in the laboratory before they made all of that illegal. And uh, I actually loved it. I, lo- I loved that altered state. I loved being able to say, uh, I loved being able to get up in the morning or or. Uh, come to the realization of how amazing life is. I love that wow experience. Wow, life is amazing. I really wanted to live there. But uh, of course, you discover when you try that, that there's a compensatory lag time. Um, So you feel really great for a while, but then the next day you don't feel so great. So uh, I had uh, pretty much decided to uh, make that my Uh, My formal training, the school that I went to allowed me to do that, and uh, I've been one of the few people all this time that has been able to um, maintain what I learned there during all of that time and bring it into the modern age. So um, I vowed at that point that I would devote my life to coming up with a way to create that kind of experience without having to pop a pill. That's basically how I got started in all of this. And one of the first things I noticed was that when people did pop the pill, they changed their environment. The very first thing they did was they turned the lights down low, they put on some black lights that surround themselves with colors. So I started working on this theory. Uh, I visually called it sensory resonance and it's basically what happens to your mind when all of the sensory mechanisms get um, uh, in sync with each other, get into a coherent experience. And uh, when that happens, the, uh, the reticular activating system of the brain that basically keeps up with all of the security threats and the novelty of checking things out and that sort of thing. It gets out of the way and the the mind can move to higher levels, feelings of peace and well-being and connectedness and all those sorts of things. So I dedicated my life to coming up with a technology that could reproduce those kind of states without having to pop a pill. And so that's how we got started in all of these things. And working with light and sound and color and vibration and aroma and all the other sensory mechanisms. And um, then in, uh, when I graduated from college, I actually had to get a job like most people of my uh, my generation, and uh, I wound up in medical technology. So I had a, a really good uh, experience with uh, running hospital laboratories and, and uh, I became a chief tech and ran several different hospital laboratories and I got a really good uh, education in uh, machine-human interfacing. How do, how does the human body relate to uh, machines and how do machines, uh, how can they help the human body? And so we sort of got a really early on education with how all of that sto- uh, uh, began to happen. So... We started building these kinds of technologies, and and that's basically how I got my start.
0: Well, it's it's interesting because uh, you know, like I said, I've been kind of in this space a little bit. I would say I'm I'm new to this, and there's a lot of different technologies. I've seen light therapy. Um, I've seen uh, sound lounges, like on on your Viber bed. Um, I think that there's a million different ways that we could go with this. We could probably do three hours on your book. We could probably do you know a couple months on that image behind you that you're sharing, which is some sort of mapped out light spectrum universe. Um, do you have an idea of like where we could take this as like a linear fashion to get people like a little bit up to date with uh, some of the science and the theory behind how this works and how your work progressed or, or how do you yeah. see?
1: Yeah, there's definitely a flow that we can go through of um, basically a new science that we've created that attempts to explain how intention becomes manifest so you see a lot of that out there right now but i've never really seen a science that really describes the mechanism behind how that happens so um that's basically what we've been doing we've been creating a science that just explains how does a thought or an intention actually manifest itself in the real world and so there are things that we can uh, we can talk about there can i share my screen
0: yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I saw some of the slides when we were, we, we had a little brief conversation last week to kind of get me up to speed on this. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Like we should have been recording that. Cause even just trying to gloss over your work as now you'll see with this image, you're like, okay, we're we, you, you come in, you come in hot with like this incredible imagery and, and yes. So yeah, please, please go ahead. So, um, Before I say too much
1: more, I better just kind of start off by saying that nothing that I say should be applied to any medical condition. I'm not a medical doctor, and um, none of the work that we do should be, uh, none of the things that we talk about should be um, seen as such. In fact, as we go on here, you'll sort of see that we're 180 degrees out of phase with the whole concept of healing because the old allopathic method of healing says that there's something wrong and you have to find it and fix it whereas uh, no one up until recently has been able to find the harmony in things and brain signals and voice signals and heartbeats and that sort of thing because to do that you have to have the fundamental frequency and without that you can only get an average frequency and this is why we believe that um, so much has been lost in this whole industry of vibrational science uh, because people have been taking averages of readings rather than finding the fundamental frequency. But when you know how to find the harmony of something it's much easier to identify what's right about a person and enhance that rather than trying to find what's wrong and fix it. So it's a a lot better approach, not only for the clients, but also for the therapists themselves. You don't have to dredge through all of the negative things. In fact, we have mathematical proof now with our supercomputer of what happens when you uh, iterate the output of a system back into the input that geometrically enhances it. So if you get sick and you go to the doctor and you start talking about what's wrong, you're basically iterating the output back into the input. And we have mathematical proof of how it's absolutely impossible for it to ever go away under those circumstances. So we have a whole new paradigm of identifying and enhancing what's right, rather than finding and fixing what's wrong. And uh, this, we believe this is a new paradigm that will generally take over the old paradigm. And uh, everyone, sooner or later, will start realizing that this is a much better approach to things. Um, In uh, 19, let's see if I find a book. Yeah, so uh, by the time I was finishing up college, I had finished this paper called Sensory Resonance, which is about a state of mind that a person goes into when all of the sensory mechanisms are synchronized and coherent, and uh, in the late 90s, I wrote a book about this called Harmonic Law, which as you mentioned, is sort of a compendium of uh, scientific knowledge. It's kind of like an a, a, a encyclopedia more or less, of vibrational science. And uh, I had thought that when I finished this book, I would know who was right and who was wrong because pretty much everybody that I had studied under had a different idea about how all this worked and came together. I'm sure you've probably seen a lot of that yourself in the, the uh, different ideas that people have about how vibration works. Um, but I was more confused than ever when I finished the book because basically what it, what it was, was it came down to just an explanation of what they were all saying. And since they were all saying something different, uh, it was still confusing. So I decided that I would uh, chart it out and find out uh, how it all laid out. So this is where this, uh, this chart came from. So one night when I was uh, sitting in the floor and I had about 40 different, uh, illustrations done for my book, I had them all laid out on the floor, trying to arrange them into the right place in the book. And uh, it was almost like I woke up from a dream. And there I find myself sitting in the floor, looking down at all these papers, and they were scattered around me sort of like um, spokes in a wheel. And I find myself being sort of this center hub of a wheel. And I didn't really remember laying them out like that. So I stood up in the room and I looked down at them. And the second that I looked down, I suddenly had this vision that you're seeing now of how it all came together. And uh, it's, it looks very complex, but it's really not all that complex. It's really just um, an extension of this. This is, some, this is the standard electromagnetic spectrum that we've all seen throughout our lives. Ever since I was a kid, I was always curious as to how it could be like this. How could reality be such that you could chop it off at both ends with nothing else there? And it just didn't really make any sense to me. So all my life, I've really been looking for how does that thing terminate at both ends? And when I saw this other vision of it, uh, I realized that it wasn't linear like that. It's actually a cyclical kind of thing where both ends kind of come back together. So what you're really looking at now is really just an expanded version of the linear view of this, that the linear view stops down here at about um, uh, radio waves and up here at cosmic rays. But I realized from doing all this research that it continues on beyond those two extremes. So at the top end it continues on to the, um, the quantum at the high end and all the way down to the gravity constant on the low end where the radio waves turn into sound, ultrasound and then sound and then infrasound and then pressure and then finally gravity and it comes back together um, on the top end where the, the cycle uh, repeats itself and comes back together so i once I had this chart, it didn't really obsolete the book, but it it somewhat um, uh, gave me a much bigger view of how everything worked uh, outside of the limited view of this um, this one little um, view of it here. so you can see here from this chart that this one little octave right here is everything that we know is light. But there's a lot of other um, vibrations as well. And in fact on my chart here you can see that same octave right here as the light octave. And what about all these other octaves? Down here is the sound octave. You can see a 92 key keyboard placed on the chart right there. And then the um, the frequency range of whales and dolphins and here you see the uh, uh, periodic chart of the elements, and up here you find the primary particles that make up all of the elements. Down here you found sound and motion and pressure, and then finally the, um, the astronomical cycles of planets going around stars and going around uh, constellations and galaxies and that sort of thing. And Up here at the end, near the end, you see the Milky Way. And you see way out here on the end of the Milky Way, you see our little solar system with the Earth right here. So when I first finished the chart, you know how on a map you always kind of put a place in there where it says you are here on the chart. So I thought it would go right here, right on the little Earth right here. But what I really found out is is that it really comes up to being more, see if I can get Can't seem to get rid of the, oh, there we go. Let me move to the bottom. So we're really not um, on my chart, we're really not here on planet Earth, we're really here on choice. And so I came to realize that where is a person at in all of this? And it really winds up that we're at choice. We're choosing how to bring all of this together and create it. So this chart basically has a number of different. Um, uh, sections to it. The first section is just an introductory to what it's all about. The second section is about how um, uh, you, it's down here at the bottom. Actually, I have to move this again so you can see it. It's actually a list of all of the things that prove that reality has its triune nature. There's always two opposites of any given thing, but some third position that resolves the difference between those two. Uh, extremes. And so this bottom section down here shows the triunity of reality. I think there's something like 50 different um, correlations between the number three uh, and, uh, and what we know is reality. The fourth section is up here that talks about archetypes of reality. And the fifth section is about dimensions of reality. And so the way the chart works is is that these archetypes and these dimensional patterns actually are brought together by choice and get thrown into the crucible of life, which we believe now is a 12-dimensional torus. Sure, you've run into this concept of tori um, in your research and the the, uh, people that uh, you interview.
0: Yeah, well the it's the way that I draw a line like this is definitely way over my head just if anybody's looking at this image and and uh you know kind of processing what they're looking at it's really extraordinary but in looking at the different theories the way that my mind is kind of putting this together from what I've experienced is uh you know when we're talking about the light spectrum I'm aware that we only get a small fragment of the light spectrum that there is so much more You know, we, we, we are comprehending, you know, 1% of a hundred, if that probably way worse, like 1% of like a thousand. So there's a lot more that we're not experiencing than we are. And the way that you're kind of sharing the, your map of like, you know, how can it end? And I kind of either see it as well, like an infinity loop where it comes to a center point and comes back in and out or like a black hole or something like there's no beginning or end of energy. And I don't remember who said it, you would probably know this, but energy can't be created nor destroyed. It's just kind of transmuted in some way. So those are the concepts that my mind is, is processing what you're sharing. And I'm curious if, um, you know the triunity of reality in your little sections here you might be getting into that but maybe you can give like a little summary of each one or maybe you're leading a little bit um onto a path that you had laid out and feel free to to go that way if that was the case
1: yeah basically as we go through this slideshow you'll see um, more of this expanded into all of its different parts uh, so basically just saying that uh, the sensory mechanisms are spread out across this entire chart, like. Light is just this one octave right here that you see of uh, the colors. Uh, However, sound is another sensory mechanism that we have. Um, So each one of our sensory mechanisms covers, covers a different part of this whole vibrational spectrum. And the idea would be that ultimately a person would be aware of all of it. We would have sensory mechanisms that would allow us to be aware of everything that's going on uh, in reality. But uh, because our bodies are somewhat limited, we have to use science to get to those other uh, levels. So we've created different kinds of technologies and different kinds of vehicles that allow us to um, investigate these different areas of reality that we don't really have sensory mechanisms to um, to experience. So... Um, I'll just back up just a second here and just show you, this is sort of the uh, a chart that, ex- that shows the, um, an expanded model of the human nervous system. So pretty much everyone's aware that the human nervous system has this homeostasis in the center, but if it speeds up, it gets into a sympathetic note. And if it slows down, it gets into a parasympathetic uh, state of mind. With homeostasis being in the middle and you can see up here from brainwave studies how they've discovered that uh, uh, each one of these uh, states of mind uh, that is determined by brainwave state or frequency range uh, has a different effect on people so you have brain waves that run anywhere from sub delta up to uh, ultra beta or what they're now calling gamma and uh This has been even expanded since I did the charts and now we have lambda up here that's even higher than gamma and we have uh, epsilon which is lower than sub delta down here at the bottom. So we have these various brainwave states that uh, are all controlled by the body being able to bring itself back into homeostasis whenever it goes one way or the other. Um, However uh, whenever uh, the body moves from homeostasis into one of these, uh, these other states, sympathetic or parasympathetic, the body has to make, or the brain actually has to make a choice between that two. Is, it, is, it a, is this change a threat or is it a challenge? And this is something that science hasn't really looked into that much, because if you look into the literature, you find that most scientists will call the sympathetic nervous system uh, response the fight or flight response. And uh, whereas that might be true, it's only true when when the experience is taken as a challenge. I'm sorry, as a threat if the experience is taken as a challenge, something totally different happens. And I'm sure you've heard of the so-called runner's high and that sort of thing that in sports high that people get into when they're doing games like that where their, uh, their energy systems are totally sympathetic oriented, but they're not in this fight or flight zone. They're in this different zone, which I call sensory resonance as opposed to sensory dissonance. If you, if you speed up and, and you're worried or you're anxious or something scares you or something like that, and you take that experience as a threat, you go into sympathetic dissonance. Whereas you take it as a challenge, you go into sympathetic resonance. And this is basically the bottom line to uh, all of the technologies that we've discovered. is How do you get a person to balance out their nervous system? And what we find is, is that either way you go sympathetic or parasympathetic homeostasis tries to bring you back to normal. So, um, even if you like, for example, if you go to sleep, if you go parasympathetic and you go back to sleep sooner or later, the brain makes uh, norepinephrine and, um, and wakes you back up again. Uh, same thing on the sympathetic. Uh, and if you, uh, or um, a good example of that would be having a sexual encounter with someone and how the blood pressure goes up and the heartbeat goes up and you definitely go into a sympathetic uh, nervous system uh, reaction, but upon uh, orgasm, you get pulled back to homeostasis, you get really sleepy and everything. So there's this mechanism that's built into the system to keep us from going too far in either direction. The only way we have found that you can go a significant distance in either direction is to go both directions at the same time. And we discovered that this is something that the Zen masters have learned to do. They've learned how to become extremely relaxed but be inspired at the same time. And if you do that, if you promote that kind of uh, experience for yourself, you find that um, you can go extremely far sympathetic and extremely far parasympathetic until you actually work your way all the way back around uh, this chart to both ends to where you get self-mastery on this end and you get self-realization on the other end. Otherwise, if you just try to go one way or the other, you wind up being pulled back into homeostasis, which is down here in the middle somewhere. So after I did this, um, uh, once I discovered this theory of what I call sensory resonance, Uh, I started building practical uh, technologies from it. But the first thing I learned is, is that there's a pharmacy inside of our head and we're the pharmacist. Uh, We're capable of writing a prescription to feel any way we want to feel. But most people won't do that. Most people allow some situation that they're in or some other person or whatever like that to write the prescription. So we wanted to develop technologies of teaching a person how to write your own prescription to control the pharmacy that's in your brain. And the first thing that we did was, uh, or the first thing that I did was I created technology that would allow a person to get into that advanced state of mind. And I call this Viber Sound. It's really a sensory, what people are calling now, a sensory resonance vehicle that allows you to see, hear, and feel uh, any kind of um, signal like music or voice or musical instrument or anything like that. So the idea would be that a person would lie down on this table. This table is filled with a liquid crystal mattress, which is a, sort of a colloidal mineral solution that uh, matches the body's sound characteristics so that when someone lies down on this mattress, it basically turns their body fluid into a speaker such that any kind of sound that you put through it or vibration that you put through it basically feels like it's coming right out of the body rather than like someone's laying on something that's vibrating. So most of these sound tables and sound lounges that you're talking about that are out there on the market right now, they have that one little drawback in that there's an impedance loss between moving a vibration from one material into another material. So when you lie down on something that's got speakers in it or something like that, you basically, it feels like you're laying on something that's vibrating. Whereas with this particular technology, it actually feels like it's generating inside of your body and coming out. So we created this VibraSound system. And over the years, we added things to it. We added uh, colors and light and um, I'm sure you're familiar with the light and sound devices that are out there now that flash lights in your eyes. And we have pioneered that since the 70s. So we've been doing this for a long, long time. We're now in our 13th generation. So we have, we've learned all about the right signals to use, the right waveforms to use, that sort of thing that allows our technology to be just one step ahead of what you normally see out there. So very sophisticated light and sound devices and color devices and virtual reality devices such that there's a screen mounted above this bed so that we can project things there. So any of our quantum biofeedback technologies can be projected there. Our 3D virtual reality can be projected there so you can have people swimming with dolphins or flying through Mayan pyramids or anything like that with their eyes open but at some point they're asked to close their eyes and at that point the other device takes over and uses the closed eyelid as a projection screen and um, it becomes sort of like a lucid dream only uh, it's a waking dream so you find yourself flying over landscapes or things like that or um, in somebody else's house or some almost um ethereal dream-like experience that you're fully conscious in you're not really along for the ride you're there consciously so uh we worked on this until um the uh the late 80s and early 90s we get out and we tried to start uh marketing this to different doctors and that sort of thing and um was really surprised to find that uh, they wanted proof of what it was doing and how it was working. And I was like, well, you know, music and sound has like a, at least a 2000 year history of being efficacious for shifting people's moods and making them feel better or even hitting them. But they're saying no, you're doing this, um, you're doing different things and you've got them all combined together and we don't know really what's happened there. So you need to go back and prove that. So that's basically where the book came about. I stopped everything. I shut everything down. I went around the world and I apprenticed under everybody that I could find, uh, that had anything to say about vibrational science. And I wrote the book. And then when I wrote the book, uh, I realized that, uh, there were still discrepancies in what everyone said, so I decided to do a flow chart of of the book. And this is basically what I came up with then. And this gave me such a big, huge picture of what's going on that, even though it didn't really obsolete the book, it sort of made the book, um, to me, um, uh, insignificant, because everything that's in the book is now on the chart. So now when I go to do lectures, I only take the chart. I don't have to take my 400 books with me to explain where all of this came from. But uh, with doing this and, and laying it out this way, I started to get a, a concept of how does this thing terminate at both ends? And, um, and you can look at it a lot of different ways. The, uh, the scientists would pretty much agree with me that at one end it's the quantum, and at the other end it's gravity. In fact, this is the big thing now in physics, is they're trying to resolve the difference between the mathematics of the quantum world and the mathematics of the gravity world. And they call this the unified field theory. And many people are looking for it, but the reason they can't find it is because all of their studies of it are out here in relative space, what I call relative cosmic reality, where everything is relative by frequency. Whereas really the only way you can resolve what's happening at both ends is to look at the absolute nature of what's going on. Where does all of this come from? Where does this, all, where does this um, uh, quantum unit come from? And Where does gravity come from? And you have to start looking at that and you find out that it's almost like this is God in the, in the Bible where it says that God has the universe stretched like a curtain. And you can see one hand is here, the other hand is here, and it's all stretched out like this. But this is just relative reality. What about the absolute nature of reality that causes all of this to happen? So this is one of the areas of research that we got into is defining what absolute reality was all about. And this is why I wound up calling the chart the absolute scale of relative cosmic reality, because it's basically a chart of everything that we know that's relative by, bri- by, by, by vibration, held together by absolute uh, archetypes that um, that come together to create all that is. So, there um, is my... Here we go. So a closer look at this chart, you can see other things that you could call those terminations. You could call it, um, for example, uh, one is the whole and the other is the parts. If you look back at the chart, you can see around here, this is the wholeness of everything. Here's a here's a galaxy, for example, the Milky Way galaxy, that is made up from all of its subcomponents, its uh, constellations and stars and planets and the uh, humans that are within it and the things that make up the humans, the, the uh, organs and the tissues and the cells and the molecules and the atoms and the, um, the primary particles that make it all up. So you can kind of start seeing that over here we have the wholeness of everything, whereas over here we have the parts that make up the whole. So that's another way of looking at how it terminates. One of my favorite ways of looking at it is player versus the instrument. We live inside of this instrument. The un- whole universe is an instrument, but there's also a player of the instrument. So we're not only living inside this instrument, but we're also the player of the instrument. And um, when I first did the chart, we were looking for ways of um, Of identifying what these things were we kind of came up with the same conclusions you did it must be infinite and zero right at one end of this chart there must be zero frequency and at the other end there must be infinite uh, frequency but when we were trying to use algorithms with our supercomputer to prove that it kept just saying no that's not the way it is and so we were trying to put every kind of equation and there' zero plus one equals infinity or minus one or divided by one. And it kept saying, no, no, no. So we finally came back and we said, well, we, we did an algorithmic modeling and we asked the supercomputer, well, how does it terminate at both ends? And it, the first thing it said is that there's no such thing as infinite and zero. And we were like stunned by that statement and asked it to explain that. And it said that the reason why there's no such thing as infinity is because as human beings look out into the universe and they see all these objects out there, we are, um, we decide or we, we make up this, come to this conclusion that um, it is uh, an inf- a universe that's full of infinity, is full of infinite number of things. that's really not true it's uh it's really just one thing and as we look out there and we see all these different objects we're looking just at one thing that has divided itself into everything that we see so the universe is more infinitesimal than it is infinite it's one all these different objects that you see out there are some divisions of that one and also there's no such thing as uh, zero because if you take the zero if you take the one away you don't wind up with zero you wind up with minus one and this is something that has plagued our math and our understanding of math ever since it got started and that's a whole other um, (laughs) that's a whole other workshop or seminar that we could get into there is talking about the math and how math is really the language of the universe. It even goes beyond that to where it's not really the math, it's really the harmony. Harmony is the language of the universe, but it works according to mathematical principles. And here we have this math boiling down to um, saying that at one end of this scale you have the square root of one, which stands for everything that's real in the universe. And at the other end, you have the square root of minus one, which stands for everything that's potential or imaginary in the universe. So you start really, kind of start getting an idea of what this chart is really trying to tell us is, is that at this end, you find everything that is already actualized in reality. Whereas this end, you find everything that's still hidden in potential. And everything that you see out there, every person, every object, is partly actualized, but partly still hidden in potential. And this is the the life that we live in. And so, as this begins to work around, as the quantum begins to express itself, the quantum becomes elementary particles that become atoms, that become molecules, that become cells, that become tissues, that become organs and organisms, and finally superorganisms like uh, humans and stars and star systems and galaxies and that sort of thing. So um, there we go. So one of my one of the uh, the easiest ways to understand the chart is it basically just describes the universe as actual versus potential. Everything that we know is partly actualized, but partly still hidden in potential, just like we are, just like a human being is, just like you are and I am, we're both actualized to some degree, but we also still have a part of us that's hidden in potential. And where is that? That's over here in the, on the other side, in this absolute world, which the scientists are now starting to call the reciprocal universe. If anything over here in the actual direct space that we live in, any real thing, uh, is not its true whole self, is 100% true self. It has a reciprocal self still existing on the other side. And uh, this is the part that we're after. We're after this part of a person that is still in potential and how do we help them release that potential. So that's how we really got started in all of this is as a as a goal and a purpose is how do you help a person realize that they're only partially actualized and that they still have have a lot hidden in potential and in studying the math of this we um, we actually made some amazing discoveries. Um, this one is basically um, the crux of our work, which is this equation here. It's called the wave equation. This isn't something that I've made up. This is the standard accepted equation, scientific equation for what causes a wave, a sound wave, a light wave, any kind of wave phenomenon. Uh, That's not just a single wave, it's called a complex wave and this is the um, this is the equation that defines the wave and it says that the complex wave equals the real times the cosines times the frequency plus the imaginary times the sine waves times the frequency now you can go online and you can do a search for sine and cosine and you'll get millions of hits on it in fact you probably remember it from school they tried to teach us a little bit about this in a high school in trigonometry. Unfortunately, they didn't really teach us what it had to do with waves. They only taught us what it had to do with uh, right triangles and hypotenuse and tangent and all that confusing stuff. Had they taught us what it had to do with waves, then I might not be sitting here now having to explain all this to everybody and what they really do have to do with waves. But if you go online and you do a search for real and imaginary, you don't get anything. You don't get any explanation of that whatsoever. So we got very curious about this and we started asking physicists and mathematicians, what are those? What's the real and the imaginary in that equation? And their response was always the same thing those are mathematical functions that are required to solve the wave equation. What? No. What are they? Well, they are mathematical functions that are required to solve the wave equation. It's like, no, no, no. They have to mean something. They have to come from somewhere. How do you how do you determine them? How do you get them? Where do they come? What are they? Nobody seemed to know. I was blown away. This was about 20 years ago that we made this discovery. And so we made this the primary objective is to determine what are these real and imaginary coefficients in this equation. And uh, in the process of doing that, we were trying to, um, as I mentioned, solve the infinite zero problem. And we had gone into the supercomputer and asked it, and it said there's no such thing as zero or, or infinity. And so we asked it to come up with an equation that would describe how these two ends relate to each other. And it came up with this equation that you see here, the square root of plus one, taken to the power of the square root of minus one equals one. So we said, we asked the supercomputer, what does that mean in English? And basically reading the algorithmic functions of it, it it basically said this, that any real thing, which is notated by the square root of minus of plus one, any real thing taken to the power of its own imagination results in unity and wholeness. And I thought that was really a mind blowing kind of assumption for a computer to make. So I really wouldn't call this computer uh, a, a personality, but it is some type of an entity that seems to have an understanding that, uh, that we really can't easily come to uh, with our, our own imagination because it requires too much really heavy-duty math to really do it. So we need these supercomputers to really to figure all of this out. So, it called this the grand unification of real and imaginary. And we started realizing that what's really at, at both ends of this, uh, of this scale is real and imaginary. At the left side, it's everything that has actualized and become real, whereas at the right end, it's everything that still lies in potential and is purely imaginary. So, in further results or further work on this, we Came up with other ways of viewing this. Uh, if you view it from a polar uh, view like this, you can see that how uh, the present origin is right here in the center in this little dot, and time is moving this way. This is the past back here and the future up here, and this whole crosshair is kind of moving along through time. And uh, if you were to plot frequencies on here, in fact, the physicists and the scientists do this all the time to where they they call this the S plane and they plot their frequencies and whatnot on here. But each frequency has a sine and a cosine component so that this time domain uh, plane becomes the cosine plane and the vertical plane becomes the imaginary sine wave plane. And they have to use this to plot all of their frequencies and whatnot on. Whereas we were really more concerned about it is how do we, uh, how do we determine these things in a human being? How would you? I mean, it seems reasonable that you could determine the actual parts of a person, but how do you determine the imaginary parts of a person? That just seems impossible. So, in viewing this and looking at this further, we basically realized that the answer was in this equation right here, to where. complex wave equals the reals times the cosine plus the imaginary times the sine wave so we started doing all kind of research into that and making amazing discoveries about it but to just step back and just summarize just a little bit you can see that basically everything that I've talked about so far has come down to two major discoveries the discovery of sensory resonance and what happens when you synchronize all of the sensory mechanisms. And this fact of real and imaginary ratio representing the signals that people are putting out, their brain waves, their heartbeats, their voice patterns. So these two major discoveries have been brought together and um, we've tried to find applications in uh, different Um, fields regarding this discovery and it has uh, applications in a lot of different fields in education and different kinds of vibrational therapy and biofeedback and entertainment, uh, audio and video enhancement, water structuring, computer design and programming. It had this discovery of real and imaginary ratio has applications in all of these different fields. I'll give you some examples of it. Um, These are the main features of the chart that you're seeing there. It's a logarithmic scale uh, and cosmocardiogram of universal reality, how the universe is laid out, uh, the theory of everything. How does art and science and spirituality all come together into one view? Uh, How absolute archetypes relate to relative uh, associative reality Uh, it talks about the spiritual hierarchy of the universe about ascending and descending models of divinity it talks about the uh, mathematical model of universal unity and diversity Uh, it talks about the cycle of manifestation about how you first have a thought that has to be expressed and then you take action on the expression and there it manifests itself so there's Manifestation goes through this cycle. Uh, It also has an expansion of the standard electromagnetic spectrum that goes um, way beyond the standard um, idea of having it stop at radio and cosmic rays and actually has 18 bands of relativity. Can show you here, like if you look at the bottom here, you see all these different ellipses. Those is a different band. This outside one, this purple one, is time. So if you to follow that around here, you see all of the different. If you could read all the small prints, you could see all the things that have happened back in history, going back through history. So one of these is time, but it also charts frequency and octave and sounds and all of the primary. measurements like mass and density and temperature and all that sort of thing. So there's like 18 different bands of relativity that are shown on the chart. Um, It talks about the triune nature of reality that we talked about. This area over here basically um, shows uh, 10 different kingdoms of reality that have evolved over time through the various different segments. So you've got force that becomes particles that become atoms and molecules and then cells and tissues and organs and organisms. But this actually shows, this area over here actually shows how each one of these goes through seven stages of process before it becomes the next stage. So atoms go through seven stages of process to become molecules and molecules go through seven stages of process to become cells and cells through seven stages to become tissues and so forth and so on. So you can basically begin to see how um, these these numbers that have always been so uh, elusive to us, the number 10, the number 3, the number 7, the number 12, you start really beginning to see why those are so important and how they all relate to each other. Uh, it also talks about this other side of the chart uh, is communication and music microstructure. So over here, I've broken down every different subcomponent of music, like the time signature uh, and the numerator and the denominator of the time signature and the different kind of instruments that are used and the different kind of waveforms that are used. And everything, I think there's something like 50 different um, uh, microstructures of music. And here I've broken those all down and I've shown what happens when you modulate that particular thing, when you modulate that in music. So a musician would be able to take this information over here and create designer music from it. How How do you make a piece of music that has this particular feeling to it? Well, all you do is you modulate one of the different or Uh, one or more of the different uh, structures of the music itself and creates that particular uh, experience. And then there's a number of different uh, models of cosmology and atomic structure and human energy fields and all of that that the chart basically shows too. So i show you, um, like right here, you can't really see it, but this purple that you see right here is actually a statement of the looking at this whole thing as an atom and where it has these seven uh, levels around it and what's happening to the electrons and that sort of thing and those seven different levels. It can also be used as a model to describe the human body to where you, you, know, you have the core self and you have the casual bodies and the mental bodies and the um, spiritual bodies located around the, the, uh, the core self. So the chart basically is showing a lot of different things, a lot of different models um, of the same thing, but they all kind of relate to each other because they're all in that one um, cyclical kind of structure. And from that, we've basically created a number of different technologies um, knowing about these different things. And so we have um, technologies that resulted from our I work in sensory resonance, so here you see a picture of my wife laying on one of our um, uh, vibrasound wave tables. We also have that same thing as a massage table or as a reclining chair, or now we actually have it as a little pad that'll fit into any kind of chair that uh, allows you to feel the music, but we also have other technologies that allow you to see the music so this is our latest technology up here, the sensorium sensory interface that, uh, that can generate, synchronize and program any known kind of vibrational therapy. So it can generate flashing lights, uh, colors, um, frequencies, different tones, different waveforms, vibrotactile uh, vibrations, uh, aromas, uh, Electromagnetic fields, any kind of vibrational phenomenon can be generated by this piece of software. And then it will synchronize and program those so that you can set up segments of time and say, for the next 30 seconds, I want it to do these 107 different things. And then at the end of that, I want it to switch over to segment number two and I want it to do those 107 things. So you can stack on. Um, segments to create a timed program with this and create any kind of vibrational therapy that you want. We also have very sophisticated quantum biofeedback technologies that I call them quantum biofeedback technologies, but actually they're pre-quantum biofeedback technologies because they show what's happening with these real and imaginary components which are discrete components that exist on the other side of the quantum veil in reciprocal space. So we created a number of different uh, biofeedback technologies that is, allows a person to see and hear and feel what they are on the other side as a pattern before it becomes a vibration on this side. And that's led us into other little discoveries uh, One of our latest things is called Psi Fidelity Sound, which is a discovery that we made when we were playing music back through the quantum biofeedback technology and found that the display, you can see the display here of um, where the horizontal plane is the cosine plane and the vertical plane is the imaginary sine wave plane. And we played music through our quantum biofeedback technology and watched this um, screen go uh, flatline and so all of the sine waves disappeared only the cosine waves were showing and so we started studying that and we made another major discovery of why a recording never sounds like a live performance because half of the music is gone because when, you, when you're listening to a live performance these real and imaginary components are flying all over the room and the listeners are able to reassemble that inside their head and they actually get the phase space of the environment that they're listening in, but when that same song is recorded in a multi-track studio, there's no environment there. So some guy named a sound engineer has to sit down and use uh, different kinds of stereo tricks to uh, artificially create an environment. So they use reverb and and um, panning and echo and things like that to simulate the actual whereas this little piece of software right here can just recreate the environment so you hear the the phase space of the environment along with the music and it's it's mind-blowing to listen to this to listen to your music with this because you would never go back to listening to regular stereo once you hear it in its full uh, form here. And from there, we've uh, just expanded into other things. We have a uh, new biofeedback technology that actually feeds your own brain waves back into the vagus nerve. So I don't know if you're familiar with all of that that's going on with the vagus nerve and that sort of thing now, but it's becoming a, the next big thing in uh, neurotechnology. And so we've, we've created all these different technologies using those two major discoveries. This is sort of a, uh, a picture of my latest uh, studio you can see one of my daughters now laying on one of these fiber sounds and then the ceiling up here becomes the screen that uh, can either play the, the videos or, or eyes open technology and if you close your eyes there's another technology takes over that turns that ceiling into a light and sound device so you have this really amazing eyes closed kind of a visual experience. This is a, a what we call a, a sensory matrix or a a spectral matrix from a person's voice. So we can do this not only with the voice, but we can do it with their thoughts as well. But what you're looking at right now is um, a uh, an XY graph, a Cartesian graph, to where I've taken my own voice and I've spoken into this. And instead of seeing a vibration, you can see the pattern that that vibration makes on the other side when it's just real and imaginary components. Keep it in mind that the the horizontal cosine plane is the actual real and the vertical plane is the imaginary sine wave components. And each one of these pixels that you see here is one of the real or imaginary components that were, was in my voice when I made the statement that made this matrix. So we can do this with a person's stated intentions or we can do it from their thoughts with a little mind band that goes around their head And at the same time, we get a number of real time, what we call state of being indicators that can tell us where a person's at in real time there. So we can see the distribution between real and imaginary and complex. We can see the distribution between physical and mental and spiritual. We can see the frequencies that are there and what kind of music notes that those are. We can see the frequency range. You can see where they're at in the manifestation cycle and how much energy they have, and whether it's flowing into them like a black hole or if it's flowing out of them like a white hole. So there's a number of different things that we can determine from viewing these uh, these spectral matrices. We've also built a number of uh, facilities. We call them entertainment, I-N-N-E-R, entertainment facilities, where we've basically married the neurotechnology to virtual reality so that we don't have to call it a therapy. So we can go into a city, and we can set one of these domes up, and we can do this work with people without actually having to call it a therapy to where they get the benefits of the technology um, all under the guise of entertainment and having a good time. This is like a close up of the um, sci-fi sound processor that I mentioned to you. It has three different transforms on it. We made these for DJ so you can you can uh, mess with the music a little bit and get all kind of psychoacoustic effects from using this. And then this screen can be projected onto a dome screen or a larger screen. So it becomes really the only audio visualizer that we are aware of that actually shows the mathematics of the music itself. So it's not like the iTunes visualizer where you're just taking an unknown geometry and you're vibrating it to sound or whatever. This is actually drawing the real and the imaginary components of the music directly onto the screen. This is sort of an idea of how it works here. This is uh, what the screen looks like if you're running just an mp3 through it which is just all cosine everything just goes on the cosine plane whereas if you run a wave file through it you can see how there's a little bit of imaginary there but it's all forced onto the cosine plane whereas with sci-fi you can see how that's uh that's been opened up and um and you get both the horizontal plane and the the vertical plane actually showing sound, and you can actually see the sound as well as hear it and feel it. Mm-hmm. This is a, uh, a screenshot of the device that we call uh, the Peak Alembic, which is a device that basically takes the sound from a person, it basically just takes it right out from the earphones that we're sending to the person. We're asking the person to resolve the difference between the real and the imaginary components of their own voice. We just take those and take it loose from the headphones and bring them all the way over to this device. And we hook the two wires up to these two 24 karat gold uh, wave guys that are suspended into our reaction chamber. And we ask water. To do the same thing that we're asking the person to do, which is to resolve the difference between those two components. And here you can basically see it in action, where uh, all we're doing is putting sound into those two gold rods, but it's causing the water to cavitate and implode inward on itself, and go to its next highest level of order, which for water is vapor, for a human being it would be spirit. But the metaphor here is, is that the water goes through the same process of acknowledging the need to change, giving up the resistance, removing the unwholesomeness from itself and purifying itself, and then stepping out to the next level, which is uh, this purified water over here. So we bottle this and have a person drinking, it, and it's the most amazing technology we've ever done. It's, it's mind-blowing. And then finally, this is just a graphic of our supercomputer and how we've been able to use the discoveries we've made to actually improve computer design, such that instead of um, uh, reading information from a computer using ones and zeros, long numbers of ones and zeros, it's easy to understand that that number could actually be seen Uh, as a um, fraction, rather than a whole number. So we can place any number on the music scales between one and zero. Instead of having them be a one or a zero, it can be any number between one and zero. And that's basically how this supercomputer works. It's basically a hybrid computer that has both a digital component and an analog component and a computer in the middle that basically marries the two together. So you can uh, these analog computers are so much more powerful than digital computers um, that people moved away from them a while back because they were very expensive. Uh, just the card for hours cost like $300,000 just to produce the card that actually drives it. But from all of that, we've basically been able to create um, a, a number of different um, um, vibrational types of products that uh, are now on the market. And we ha- we're in like 20 different countries. I have about two to 400, I don't know really for sure, somewhere between two and 400 of these out in 20 different countries right now. So basically that's kind of an overview of uh, who we are and what we're doing what our technology looks like and that sort of thing.
0: Holy, holy crap. Oh my God. My My brain is just trying to keep up with with what you were sharing. It's really mind blowing. Um, I could go a hundred different ways with this and listen to you talk all day. I think that, you know, on the one side, which is not my skill set, I think that somebody could explore the science with you uh, forever. It's, it's really fascinating. What I am more curious about and know a little bit more about is, um, how would I apply this to, you know, I'm going to just throw a lot of stuff at you and you can kind of pick and choose what you want. Cause what it made me think about, um, when you're talking about the real and the imaginary, I'm, I feel it's a little bit about the idea of like integrating the shadow or having the, um, the potential of being human, anything that I, the imagination space, you know, I could imagine this realm um, that exists and I can move towards that potential reality through my actions and through my own free will choices. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that it makes me think about is simulation theory. That's been coming up a lot. Um, God and the nature of consciousness, because consciousness in itself is, is a mystery. They don't know the origins of consciousness. And you've been looking at this with your chart is just mind blowing. So Um, I'm just curious with the research that you've done and, and looking at all of this science, um, for me, if I don't have, like I, the technologies would be cool and I'd like to use them. I definitely have to figure out how that can happen. But from, from your understanding and doing all this research, um, what are your thoughts on, on just you know, moving up the ladder and expanding consciousness, creating a relationship with God, if you believe that exists or that, that expansiveness exists because you started the beginning with talking about, you know, psychedelic states. And in that state you experience, let's say a a different realm that's, that's non-ordinary. It's just not your everyday consciousness. And so if you could produce that state with technology, that would be interesting. But if you had to could expand your awareness even better so i'm just curious what are your thoughts on on that general overview and then maybe some of the stuff that's been happening with people using their technology what are they experiencing um what happens when you use it and like the one specific would be the sci fidelity if you're like an electronic music maker or you make music is that a technology you would use as well to enhance the quality of your track all right guys i hope that you enjoyed that incredible part one with don estes he is like i said at the beginning kind of like the godfather of vibrational technology sound technology light therapy so um you can check this one out on youtube matt belair show uh see some of his diagrams if you like the episode remember an act of kindness is the best way you can show its support um to somebody else in your community you can pay it forward get someone's name pick up a piece of trash uh listen uh whatever it doesn't have to be you know anything crazy you know listening's great getting someone's name get your server's name get the person's name that pumps your gas, get this, the person's name who gets your groceries. Um, so that's the best way to support. You can also leave a review on iTunes. Pretty please take that action because when you write those words, when people are searching podcasts, they want to look at the reviews. They're wanting to know what you think. So please do that if you find value so we can inspire more to listen um, and learn about the podcast and learn about the messages from these incredible guests. Um, what else? Uh, Patreon is super helpful. If you go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair and just talk a buck in the bucket, it really goes a massively long way. Um, so, if a small percentage of you just take that action, go over there, and show a little bit of support, it does help tremendously. So, please go over to patreon.com and uh, help out. Um, zenathlete.com is a guide to self mastery. This is basically taking everything that I've learned of years of peak performance and personal development and concise book. You could say Zen music, Zen life, Zen entrepreneurship, um, and it codes the exact same way. It's really how to code your reality. Code Code your your body is like a supercomputer and you can code it. You can upgrade the software and that's really what it's about. It teaches you how to pick an idea, code the beliefs in the software within the body, um, turning on the automatic nervous system and you know the body to do everything that it can you know unconsciously to create your desire and do it from a state of fulfillment as well and if you guys are looking for some coaching that's what we do in the coaching Um, we figure out a heart inspired vision uh, also do the heart journey activation 90 minute one-on-one sessions and also uh, monthly mentorship so if you're curious about that hit me up I'm going to be gone for two weeks, and I'll get to all the messages when I'm back. And, uh, yeah, and check out my sponsor, David Lone Bear Centipass, um, Native American Elder. He's uh, truly extraordinary being. Uh, go to lonebearsarts.com. We're going to try to get a, a website up at Distant Ancient Echoes here really quick. Um, but we need your support. So any angel investors, um, graphics people, web we need it all. And the more help we get, the faster we can bring out these absolutely incredible technologies, including shooting another balloon into freaking space that has a chip on it that's reading a signal that's coming down here. And he's decoding it. It's gnarly. So check that out. It's it's on my YouTube. And uh, like I said, I've, I've brought him around physicists, mathematicians, and all in between. And you know, he seems to know more about everything than anyone on anything. It's amazing um so he needs help and uh, i'm trying to help him the best i can by sponsoring him like this and uh, encouraging you guys to take a look because it's the people that need to bring this together and if we work together we can bring some pretty incredible technologies to everybody his his elders told him that the technology is for everyone and it must be in peaceful community nobody can own it and so we just got to figure out how to get get him a little time little resources uh, to fund it to bring these technologies to us um, in peaceful community. So anyway, that's it. Um, All of my love and gratitude. So before we close this out, let's just come to a powerful state of peace and coherence. So wherever you are in the world, just taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and just set the intention to come to peace and coherence. And just let that breath out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day. Taking in one more deep breath in through the nose. Holding that breath and now setting the intention to be as kind to yourself as possible to make the firm intention to be your number one supporter. And just let that breath out slowly with all the limitations, all the self-criticisms, all the self-doubts and self-judgments. Taking in one more deep breath in through your nose, holding that breath And I just want you to imagine sending love, energy, and kindness to the entire world. See yourself go about tomorrow, today, the next weeks to come, doing three acts of kindness, helping people, and see how over time that ripple effect comes out. And that's your spiritual weight. That's your high consciousness. That's your higher consciousness right there. All of those actions you do um, in your daily interaction, that's really what it's about. Just let that breath out slowly with all the cares and all the worries and all the self-limitations. I'm sending you all of my love, encouragement, well wishes, and inspiration, support, um, for you to remember that you are whole, perfect, balanced, coherent, amazing, and, uh, wishing you all of the best. And I will see you in part two with the godfather of vibrational technology, Don Estes.